The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Gitin has been sponsored by our good friend and loyal Talmud of the Dafayomi, Mr. Haimi Dana, and his dear wife, Hashem Ishmael Vihayim. He has dedicated this Masechet according to the following principle. Our rabbis tell us that when you learn something, it can avert that item from happening. So we'd like to learn the Masechet Gitin, so it will remain in the theory of learning and never come to fruition in actuality. And therefore it should be blessed, him and his dear wife, and all of Klal Yisrael, with Shalom Bayit, and Hatzlachan Harvacha, Bechol Ma'asei Yedehem. Amen. Today's daf is being studied. Le'ilu Nishmat, Marat Zekenati, Yafab Batzara, Umor Zekeni, Yosef Ben Sarab, Rabbi Abraham Ben Esther, Masechet Gitin Davbet, right with the beginning Mishnah. Now, just as an introduction, uh, we may question immediately why did Rabbeinu HaKadosh put Masechet Gitin before Masechet Kiddushin? Why did he talk about divorce before he talks about getting married? Uh, seemingly, it's the opposite. First, you get married. Uh, so, there's uh, several answers that were given. Harambam says, that it's following the order of the Torah. The Torah says when it talks about getting married, it says, li'ish akhir. So, there's Yitzi'ah from one husband, or, and then she goes to a, a different one. So that's the order of the Torah. Uh, there's a sefer called Mar'ei Yechizkel. He says that uh, there's a rem is over here, uh, for when it comes to making Teshuvah. Because the rabbis tell us, Kol mi gitin anybody that doesn't know the laws of Gitin and Kiddushin, lo you shouldn't get involved in them. These are technical laws, unless you're an expert in it, you shouldn't get involved in it. So he says the same thing, it should have said, whoever doesn't know the laws of Kiddushin and Gitin. So he comes along and says that first, a fellow has to know Tiv Gitin. Gitin means getting rid of the Averot. Girushin, getting rid of the sins. And only after a person gets rid of his sins, Girushin, then you can make Kiddushin. Then already you can become pure. That's like the Pasuk that says, Sur Asetov. Therefore first, on Pia Musar, first you have Girushin, Girushin from the Averot, and then you make a uh, Kiddushin. Others have said, which is an interesting answer as well, that in the book Seder Nashim, which we're in now, the Benu Kadosh, when he put the thing, the Mishnayot uh, in order, it's an order of how many Pirakim are in the Masechet. So they explain like this, that Masechet um, Yibamot, which is the first Masechet, has 16 Pirakim. Ketubot, 13 Pirakim. Nidarim, 11 Pirakim. Nazir, 9 Pirakim. Sota, also 9 Pirakim. Gitin, 9 Pirakim. And Kiddushin, 4 Pirakim. Four perakim. So if it's going in descending order of how many, how many perakim each masechet has. Uh, last but not least, uh, our rabbis tell us that there is a famous saying that HaKadosh Baruch Hu always is magdim refu'ah lemakah. God always gives you the remedy before He gives you the sickness. Now in this case we would never call Kiddushin a sickness, Hasbe Shalom, but any businessman will tell you that before you go into a contract or a deal, you have to know how you can get out of it. And therefore you have to have an exit strategy. And therefore the Torah comes along and says, before we're going to bind you into a Kiddushin, which is a very severe contract, you have to know how you're able to get out of it. So the exit strategy is given first, In any event, our uh, Masechet 
begins in the Mishnah. And the Mishnah begins. Now, uh, the Shtab, uh, the contract that's used to give a divorce is called the Get. And I want you to know that, generally speaking, any contract can be called a Get. Get is a... Uh, it's a neutral terminology. Even a monetary document can be called a git. Git is really a shtar. Uh, but the most common usage of the word git is by git isha, is by the divorce shtar that's given to a lady. Tosafot, right away on the top Tosafot, comes and tells us why they refer to a git as a git, meaning the divorce a lady. So he says, because the custom is that a get has 12 lines. And he says the gematria of the word get is 12. And therefore the rem is to the seder of a get. The gaon Vilna has a fantastic hadush on the word get. And he comes along and says that if you look in the entire Torah, you'll never find the letters gimal and tet next to each other. And therefore, it's alluding that these two letters don't get along. And therefore, it's very appropriate for these letters to refer to a couple that doesn't get along, and therefore, they write a, uh, a get. In any event, uh, it's interesting to note that there was a certain city uh, in the islands that was called Gita. And the reason why they called it Gita, the Gemara says, It would reject any foreigners. So you see the word Gita also has that meaning of rejection. In any event, the Mishnah begins. Now, let's discuss. A get is able to be given in several ways. The most common way would be that the husband gives the get directly to his wife. That's the most common way of giving a get. However, if let's say the husband is in Medina Tayyam, means he's he's outside of the land of Israel, and he's not looking to make a trip to Israel. His wife is in Israel. So he's able to designate a shaliyah. The Gemara says in many places, that a person's agent is like him. And therefore he can give the get to his agent, and his agent makes the trip to Eretz Yisrael, or wherever it may be, to give the get to the wife. Now, the get does not take place until the wife receives the get. That means technically, so long as the Shalia is still holding it, the husband technically can back out. So we're discussing today a specific case of a husband that designated a shaliyah in order to bring a get to his wife. So the Mishnah says, If a person, a husband, he's bringing a get from Medina Tayyam through a shaliyah, and Rashi right away comes along and says, Medina Tayyam, that's overseas, Kol Ares Medina Tayyam. Now all of outside of Israel is called Medina Tayyam. Except for Babel, which we'll see why Babel is the exception. In any event, Tosafot comes along and right away just points out, how come the Mishnah didn't say a more simple terminology, and mevi get me chutzlaris? You know, this is the way we understand outside of Israel. Why does the Mishnah use Medina Tayyam? You know, from the cities that are overseas. So Tosfot comes along and says that the reason why uh, it shows that is because Chutzla Aris is mashma anywhere in Chutzla Aris, even cities that are close to Eretz Yisrael. And the point of our Mishnah, as we're going to see in the Gemara, that the law that we're going to read today only applies to places that are far from Eretz Yisrael. Therefore the terminology, Medina Tayyam, because on the side of Israel that has the water, so the next closest city is beyond the Mediterranean. Medina Tayyam is overseas. That's a far place. If you would say Aris, you might come to include even cities that are close to Eretz Yisrael. Hence the terminology, Medina Tayyam. And then even, what's the law? So the law is Sarik Shiyomar Bifanai Nihtav U Bifanai Nihtam. The famous law of Bifanai Nihtav and Bifanai Nihtam. The Shaliyah. When he delivers the get to give it to the lady, he must say in front of witnesses that I saw the get written 
by the sofer and the witnesses that signed on the git, because every git is a legal document, it has to have edim that sign on the git itself. So the shaliyah says, Bifanay nihtam. The get was signed in front of me as well. Now we don't know why he has to say this, which means he has the document in his hand. It's signed already. It should be enough for him just to deliver the get. What does he have to make this declaration? I was there for the writing of it. I was there for the signing of it. Well, that she says, Sarikh hashaliyah lomar So we'll trust that she to wait for the Gemara to see the reason she points out to us that the Shaliyah obviously was designated by the husband because the Shaliyah cannot work on his own he has to be appointed by the husband the Mishnah continues Rabban Gamliel Omer Rekem and Heger are two cities that she says Targum shil ben Kadesh u ben Barid. The Torah it talks about two cities, Kadesh and Barid. Metargeminan ben Rekem leHeger. And therefore, these cities, according to uh, the Mishnah, are outside Eretz Israel. And the Hadush of here is, even though they are close to the border of Eretz Israel, the Ban Gamliel argues on Tanakama. Not only do you have to say on the far off cities, but you even have to say it on the close cities like Rechem and Heger. Good. Comes the Mishnah and continues. The Mishnah says, the Bi the Ezromer Afilu Mikfar Ludim. Lod. Kfar Ludim, Rashi says, is in Chutzla Aris, and Lod is Shehis Simuchala, Vim Eretz Israel. So we really have to see what he's coming to Eretz. Another example of two cities that are close to each other. One is Chutzla Aris, and one is in Eretz Israel. But we just said that, that the rabbi says that even cities that are close. We'll wait for the Gemara again to get all the clarity. Let's just get the meaning of the words. Vachamim Omrim. You don't have to say it in that case because the city is close to Israel. Only when you bring from a far off place. Now, and if you go the opposite way, if you go to Israel to Medina Tayam, so it's not only Hamivi, but also Hamolich. Molich means you're going from Israel to Medina Hayam. Now again, all this sounds vague to you because you don't know the reason yet. Once you hear the reason from the Gemara, all this right away starts to make more sense. Now let's say you're bringing the get in Chutzla'aris from one province to another province. In Chutzla'aris. Still, you have to say the, the Shaliyah, that is, that it was written in front of me and signed as well. Rabban Shemom Gamliel Omer Afilu Mehegmonia Lehegmonia. Hegmonia Mehegmonia Rashi says even one city that has two Hegmons. Hegmon would be like a governor. Which means sometimes in Hutsaharish you would have one city that was divided under two separate governments. And therefore that's considered according to Allah as one city to the next. Now we're talking about over here where the two governments did not get along with each other. And therefore there is dissension between the two. And therefore even in the same city that is under two different rulerships to Egmonim, the Shalia has to say, Now Rabbi Yudah is going to give us the borders of Eris Israel. So you know what's considered Chustaris. So he gives us the borders to all directions. Number one, from the city of Rekim and going east, that's already considered Chustaris. And Rekim itself is considered Chustaris on the eastern border. From Ashkelon to the south, and Ashkelon is considered part of the south, which means Chustaris. Now the uh, Tosafot on this over here takes uh, this Mishnah the task over here because it's master of Mount Mishnah that Ashkelon is not part of Eretz Israel, and uh, he questions that we look in the book of Yoshua 
what was one of the cities that he conquered, Ashkelon, which is definitely part of Eretz Israel. So he wants to say that Benutam, that you're right, in Kivush Rishon, in the first conquest, Ashkelon was part of Eretz Israel, but when the Ole Bavel came, and they made a second conquest, they did not annex Ashkelon as part of Eretz Israel, and the Mishnah is referring to that time. Now, we could also say a different answer, Tosfot says. Tosfot offers another answer that you're right. Ashkelon is considered part of Eretz Israel for the laws of Eretz Israel. But since Ashkelon is far from the settlement of Eretz Israel proper, so for the laws of Gitin, it has a law of Chutz La'aris. In any event, Me'ako La'safon, Ve'ako Kesafon, on the northern border, Ako is the border, and Ako is considered outside of Eretz Israel. Now you notice in the Mishnah, well, it gave me all the directions, it didn't give me the west. Because it doesn't have to give me the west, because you have the Mediterranean on the west. So it's obvious that anything past the Mediterranean is Chutz La'aris. Very good. The Bimi Iromer, Ako Ke'eris Yisrael, Legitin. Bimir argues, says regarding Gitin, Akko has a deen of Eretz Israel. And again, we wait for the Mishnah to explain this. Now let's read Rashi. Uh, look at Rashi, the Biyudamir, Merekim the Mizrach, Merekim ad Sofa Olam, the Mizracho, which is from Merekim to the end of the world, going east, Havi Medinatayam, that's overseas. Verekim atzma Nidonet ke Mizrach Olam, Veloke Eretz Israel. What do you have to know that for? That mevim merekem. Therefore, if you're bringing a get from the city of Rekem, sarich domar befanai nechtam befanai nechtam vechen kulam rekem lemizrachot shel Eretz Yisrael vechutzala veAshkelon ledroma veAkod esfuna aval maarav shel Eretz Yisrael the west and sarich givul. Why? Shayam agadol givula. The Mediterranean is its border. Kedichtiv ugbul yam. Comes the Mishnah and concludes and says, If you bring in a get in Eretz Yisrael itself, which means the Shalia just brings the get, delivers it to the lady, does not have to make any declaration. Says the Mishnah, But you have a problem now. Let's say the husband comes along and questions the validity of the get. Which is, let's say the husband comes along and says, the get is pasu for some reason. Which means, could be the, the husband changed his mind. Right? Now when the Shariah got there and he delivered the get, the husband says, hey, the, the get is pasu for whatever reason. Now, I didn't write it in the Shema, or I didn't do it for the right uh, purposes, whatever it may be. So now you have a problem, because if the husband claims that to get this pasul, you got to deal with him. So then the Mishnah says, in that case, yitkayim bechotamav. You establish the validity of the get through its signatories. Now how do you do that? So Rashi tells us, im yesh alav orerin she'aba'al me'ar'er shu mezuyaf. The husband claims it was forged. Yitkayim bechotamav. Now, how do you establish it? V'im ya'idu a'edim al hatimat yedem. Either you bring the witnesses themselves that signed the get, and they testify that that is indeed their signatures, then the document is valid, no matter what the husband says. Or you bring other witnesses that say, we recognize their signatures, this is the signatures of these witnesses, they can compare, let's say, to other documents. Kashir. Now, vim en alav orerim, but let's say nobody's questioning the validity of the get, mistama kashir. You assume that the get is kasher de'ab b'ki'im l'shma ve'edim mitsuim tamid l'kayimu k'edamim b'gemara b'te dinim k'vuhim. Now, let's speak this out because she's telling us uh, a lot of things here. When a guy brings a get in Eretz Yisrael, there's always a chance that the get is pasu. You don't know. But Rashi says, until the husband opens his mouth to question the validity of the get, you gotta assume that the get is kashir. Number one, why? Because in Eretz Israel, the assumption is they were baki in the laws. They were fluent in the laws of a get. One integral law of a get is the get must be written lishma. What does lishma mean? 
it has to be written for the lady that is getting divorced. For example, let's say a husband finds a gate in the street that happens to have his name in it, and it has his wife's name as Rahel. It's also in the gate. That's not Lishma. It was written for Rahel, a different one. So he happens to pick up the gate. If it wasn't written Lishma, the Pasuk says, Vechatavla Sefer Kiritut. The Gemara is going to be Doresh, La Lishma. In Eretz Israel, the courts, they were fluent with this law of Lishma. And therefore, until the husband comes along and questions the validity of the get, you have to assume that the get is 100% kasher, and you have to assume also that the witnesses that signed it, there's no question about their uh, validity. That's why we don't make in Eretz Israel the shaliyah make any declaration. When he brings the gate, you assume that it's kashir until the husband opens his mouth. Now, once the husband opens his mouth, now ready, you got to deal with it. Now, what do you? How do you deal with it? So the sheikh gives us one of two ways. You go with the shtar itself. Either you bring the witnesses themselves to testify that that was their signature. Once the signatures say that that was their handwriting and they signed it, I don't care what the husband says. The gate is kashir. Or you're able to bring witnesses that come along and say, we know the signature of these guys, and that's their signature, the document is validated with two Aedim, there's nothing stronger than two Aedim, so even if the husband's a wise guy, come on and says, no, it's a fake, or whatever, it's forged, too late. The witnesses that signed it must have known what they were doing, and in Eretz Yisrael, since they're, they know the laws of Lishma, therefore you have to assume that what? The get is indeed Kashir. That is the law of our uh, Mishnah. Good. Okay. Comes the Gemara and begins. My Ta'ma. Now we're really getting into the uh, logic of the Mishnah. What's the reason why a guy that brings a get, a Shalia from Medinatiyam, why does the Hachami make him say, Bifanai Nikhtav or Bifanai Nikhtam? That I saw it written in front of me, and I said, what's the reason? My ta'ama. Gemara says, Rabbah Amar, Lefi she'en b'ki'im lishma. Oh. Since in Chutzla Aris, we're not so sure that the rabbis or the bedin, or whoever is writing the get, that they were fluent with the laws. Or really, the people, I should say. And therefore, you're concerned that maybe the get was not written lishma. So, so what is Bifanay Nechtav and Bifanay Nechtam going to help you with their get written Lishma? So that she says, En bene medina tayam bene Torah. People living outside of Eris say they're not really bene Torah. They don't know too much. Ve'en yud'in chesarich lechtov get l'shem ha'isha. They don't know the law that the get has to be written for the sake of that lady. Ve'kra ketiv ve'chatav la sefer kiritut. La dahainu lishma. When the guy, the, the, the shaliyah that comes over is going to say, Hey, I saw the witnesses sign it. That really doesn't tell me too much. But you know what's going to lead me to do? That leads us to ask the guy, Oh, you saw them sign it? You saw it written? So we're going to ask him, Hey, was the gate written? Lishma? And he's going to say, yes. Which means the Gabbara is going to explain it wrong. Why don't you just make the guy say, What do you have to make like this? A give and take of He's going to say, I saw it written. Then we're going to ask him, Oh, you saw it written? Can we ask you a question? Was it written for the sake of this lady? He's going to say, Absolutely. Then the get, then the get is going to be. Kashir. That's the way that she is understanding that when the reason why you have to say Bifanai Nechtav or Bifanai Nechtam is to validate that the star is Lishma. Why do you have to do that in Chutz Because they're not careful in the Halachot. Now Tosfot says, well, if they're not careful in the Halachot, there's a lot of Halachot besides Lishma, they could uh, mess up. Why are you only fixing the Lishma? Maybe they don't know the law, maybe they wrote the get, maybe they, they wrote it uh, in the day and they signed it at night, different halachot that make the get uh, pasul. So Tosfot comes along in the name of Rebbe Nutam, at the end of the second Tosfot on the page, and he comes along and says, 
Right, the top to swallow, the second to swallow, the in tomar. You don't have to write the star if it's Mechubat Rekarka, or they change the names, etc. So Tosfot comes along and he says, Mefaresh the Berutam, little way down, They knew all the other laws. Dilishma. Which means the law of Lishma is learned from a dirasha, vechatav la. So the Amaris people, they don't know that the word la is coming to teach them the word Lishma that has to be written for the sake of that lady. So the other laws they understand, but they don't donesh the word Lishma, and therefore la, therefore you have to say mefarainekta. That's the reason of Rabbah with the hair. Top line in the Gemara. Rava Amar Lefi She'en Eidim Mitsuim Lekayemo. Totally different reason. In Chutzla Aris, you're not going to have witnesses that are available to validate the witnesses that are in the Shtar. The Get was written in Eris Yisrael. It was written in Eris Yisrael. He sent it to Chutzla Aris with a Shaliyah. The assumption of the Gemara is that there's not a lot of traveling between Eris Yisrael and Chutz La'aris. And therefore, in all odds, the get is never going to be able to be validated because the witnesses that signed in Eris Yisrael, there's not going to be anybody in Chutz La'aris that are going to be able to say we recognize these witnesses. It's in two different uh, countries. Chutz La'aris and Eris Yisrael. And therefore, as she says, second as she ended up, en shayarot mitsuyot misham lekan. Right? There's no trains, there's no uh, traffic between the two countries. Sheim yavua ba'al v'yar'el lomar lo ketavtiv. Sheyu edim mitsuyim lakir hatimat te'edim. Because if the husband's going to come along now and say, hey, I didn't write the get. How are you going to prove him wrong? There's not going to be anybody in Hutzla'ah being able to say that I saw the witnesses, I know their signature. Therefore, Therefore, the rabbis believe the Shaliyah to say, I saw the witnesses sign the Git. Now listen, I'm explaining to you again. It's very important to get what Nava is saying over here. The guy brings the Git to Medina Tayyam, right? He gives it to the lady. What happens now if the husband's going to come along and say, I didn't write this git. I don't know what you just get. This is a forge. Now, the only way you could prove the husband wrong is you got to do something with the witnesses. The problem is, there's no traffic between Israel and Chutzla'aris. There's not going to be anybody in Chutzla'aris that can come along and say, oh yeah, I know these signatures. So that lady's stuck. The husband's claiming the get is Mizuyaf. How are you going to kosher the get? So Rava says, you know, you kosher it, let the Shaliyah say, we saw the witnesses sign it, and we saw everything. Now, even though the Shaliyah is one guy, and we have to ask a good question, how do you believe one guy? Which is, it's one against one. I mean, the husband's saying it's forged, and this one Shaliyah saying, I saw. Why does the Shaliyah have more emanu than the husband? But for whatever purpose is, the Gemara is saying, that's the reason why you said the Farah So let's crystallize this Mahalok as a Great mahlokit that you have to know in Shas, the mahlokit between Rava and Raba, the reason why a Shaliyah was said has the same Befarainikhtab. According to the first opinion, Raba is because they're not Bakibish Lishma. So therefore the Befarainikhtav validates the star that it was written the Shma, because we're gonna ask them. Oh, you saw it written? Can we ask you a question? Do you know that when the husband wrote the star, did he write it for the sake of this lady? He'll say, absolutely. So that, that's, a, that's like a, a, an introduction to find out if the star was written, Lishma. Rabbi says, I'm not worried about Lishma. Lishma, they know Lishma. I'm worried about if the husband's going to come along and say, hey, this ghetto is a fake. How are you going to validate it? Well, let somebody come and testify about the witnesses. There's nobody around. En Shayarot Mitsuyot. Oh, so the way you validate it is the Shariah is going to say, no, I saw them sign it. I saw the witnesses. So you're really trusting the Shariah that he's validating the witnesses for us. So now the Gemara asks, Mai Benayu. Now let's get the technique of a Mai Benayu. 
By Benayu always, whenever you have two rabbis that are giving two different arguments, of two different reasons, what's the nafkamina? Give me an, a case where the two reasons will bring a different result. By Benayu, meaning give me a case where according to Rabbah, the law will be one thing, and according to Rabbah, the law will be another thing. You've seen my Benayu many times, but that's the technique of it. So the Gemara gives a few examples. Ika Benayu, number one. Right. Oh. Let's say the husband appointed not one shaliyah, but appointed two shalihim. So now you got two shalihim that come and deliver the get. But let's speak it out ourselves. According to the opinion that says that the reason why you have to say is because we're not sure that the get was written lishma, I don't care how many people you bring to deliver the get. You still have to say because I'm concerned that maybe the get was not written lishma. So therefore, even if a hundred people deliver the get, you're still going to have to ask them. Well, did you see them sign it? Was it lishma? But according to the opinion that says that the whole reason you need it is why is because we're concerned that nobody's going to be able to validate the. Uh, here you have two people already, so they're not going to have to say because the two people are there. So if the husband comes along and says, "Hey, uh, it's a forge. There's two guys that are saying we, we were there. We saw it. The two people are there already. Uh, are, 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 are there? Look at Rashi. The atu betre." My husband appointed two guys to deliver the get. Right? The two guys deliver the get. Mm-hmm. I don't care how many people deliver the get. The Comes the Gemara and says another nafkamina. Ina me medina le medina be'eris Israel. Oh, let's talk about in Israel itself, from one province in Israel to another province. Let's speak it out. According to the opinion of Lishma, I don't need to say mefanaynichta because in Eretz Israel they're fluent in Lishma. So even if it's one province to another, but according to the reason that says that there's no traveling between provinces, so therefore even in Eretz Israel from one province to another, according to Lava, you'd have to say mefanaynichta mefanaynichta because there's not going to be witnesses in one province to another to mekayim the star. So there will be enough kavina intra intra in Israel itself from one province. To another, let's read Rashi. Iname me Medina le Medina be Eretz Yisrael. Kegon Yehuda ve Galil. Rashi gives us two 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 places. Yehuda and Galil. The Salka data Gashta. The Losh Hishayarta. Since at this point we're assuming that even in Israel, from one province to another, is not traveling. Le Rabad the Losh Hayish le Ura. The name of Mizuyafu lo ba'em le Memar who il u bekiin kol bnei Yisrael lishma. Right, for the Lishma reason, you're okay, because it is said that Baki. But according to Rava, even in Israel, from one province to another, since there's no traffic, so how's the start going to be validated by the guy saying, Third Nafkamina. Third Nafkamina. Which means in the same Medina. Which means in Medina Tayam. Which means everything happened in one province. The husband sent it from the same province and delivered it in the same province. In Medina Tayyam. According to the opinion that says Lishma, we start to say Mephanaita, because anytime it's puts the artist, you got to make sure that it was written Lishma. But according to the opinion that says that Edim, well, it's in the same province. There'll be somebody in that province that'll be able to validate the witnesses. Therefore, the Shalia does not have to say Bifanai Nechtab, Bifanai Nechtab. So there's basically three Nafkaminot between the two reasons. Let's review very quickly just so you have clarity exactly what we're discussing over here. The Bifanai Nechtab, Bifanai Nechtab can solve one of two issues. Number one, it can solve the Lishma issue. Now, how does that solve the Lishma issue? Because we're going to ask the witness. That prompts us to ask, oh, you saw this, you saw the item written, you saw the, 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 the get signed. Can we ask you a question? Do you know if it was written Lishma? Oh, and anything that's written in Hutzla'aris, or anything that's sent uh, in, uh, from, from Hutzla'aris, I should say, 
since in Chutz La'aretz they're not uh, fluent in the laws of Lishma, so therefore when it comes to Eretz Yisrael, when it arrives, you better ask. Good. However, according to the second reason, is no. The concern is, I'm worried about the husband. Now the get gets to Eretz Yisrael, all of a sudden the husband comes along and says, the Shaliyah is delivering the get, the husband comes along and surfaces, it's a fake. Now what do you do? The husband is the, the guy getting divorced. He's coming on saying so, but I got a document which with, with, with is over here. Well, I got a problem. You know why? Because you're going to have a very hard time finding now people in Israel to validate the signatures because it was written in Hutz Now it's in a different place, different country. There's no trains that are going back and forth with people that people know each other. So the only way I can validate it is what? By having the Shaliyah come along and say, I saw it. I saw the witnesses sign. That's a big thing. Even though there's only one guy, but we're going to trust him to validate the. Uh, so that validation is to uh, stave off a potential claim of the husband that's going to say that the item is a fake. Now the Gemara asks the obvious question. The Gemara says, According to Rabbah, that says, that the reason why you have to say b'fanai nichtam b'fanai nichtam is because they're not b'kilishma libi tere, which means seemingly you should need two witnesses. Midi da'avi akol eduyot shebatorah, just like we need two witnesses for all with for testimony in the Torah. Look at Rashi. Rashi says. Uh, fourth line after they get wide. Midi da'avi akol eduyot shebatorah kushau. Right, it's a question, which means like this. Whose word you trust in that the gate was written in the Shema? One guy, the Shaliyah. Right, you can ask the Shaliyah. Mr. Shaliyah, by the way, can you testify to us that this gate was written in the Shema? Absolutely. One witness. What's one witness? Since when do you ever believe one witness? Which means, generally speaking, all I do to the Torah, you need two guys. How is he, how is he believed? Comes to Gevara and gives an answer. Famous answer. <laughs> we have a rule. When it comes to things of Isur, you believe one witness. For example, now she gives me the example. Look at Nashi's examples. Right? Guy comes along, he gives you food. You come along and ask him, hey, did you take Tiruma? I did. Torah believes him. You don't need two witnesses. To matir something to eat, one witness is enough. Or, for example, ba'ala shechita. Right? Guy serves you a piece of meat. You don't know if it's kasher or not. You ask the guy, did you make shechita? I did. You believe him. Or, for that matter, ala nikur agid. Did you take out the gid of nasheh? Ve'achelet. Did you take out the chelet? Which means you see the Torah does give a ne'emanut for when it comes to yisur ve'etir, for example, things that are not kosher, things like that, you believe in their so the same thing over here, we're going to believe Edechad. Now, so it comes out of Kointe Rashi, the source of Edechad Ne'eman is we believe a guy that he took his you believe a guy that made Shaita. For that matter, how do you believe your wife when you go home and eat something and she serves you something, you're trusting Edechad again. So we live with this rule of Edechad. Tosfot doesn't like Rashi's examples. Tosfot comes along and says, that's not, we don't believe over there because of Edechad. That's over there because it's in his ability to fix it. Which means since it's in the ability to take the turuma, it's his ability to make the shaita, it's his ability to take out the hayalev. Therefore, since it's in his ability to do it, when he says he did it, he's believed. That's not the source of edihad. Tosfot says, you know what the source of edihad ne'eman be'esurin is? It's actually from the pasuk of the Torah. V'safra la. A lady is ne'eman to come along and say, I went to the mikveh. Who says she went to the mikveh? How do we know that she started off from Nida? Vesafra, la, she's trusted to say she counted the seven nikim. So Tosfot's learning over there. It's really a pasuk in the Torah that teaches us. Ed echad ne'eman b'isurin. Also, the same thing the Gemara would say over here. Therefore, the Shaliyah comes along and says, I'm telling you over here to get this kosher. Now this is over here, we're trying to material lady uh, to, to go get married. Want to say to get this good. One witness is going to be enough. Gemara says, not so fast. Gemara says, Imur de Amrinan, Edechad Neeman Besurin, Kegon Hatika, Safek Shil Hedev, Safek Shil Shuman, Delo et Hazik Isura, Abalaka, de Hazik Isura, de Eshet Ish, 
הווה דבר שבערווה, ואין דבר שבערווה פחות משניים. When he's not going against a hazakah, when he's not going against the status quo, meaning like this, I have a piece of meat in front of me. I don't know, is it helev, which is not kashir, or is it shuman, which is kashir. I don't know what it is. It's a safik. One guy comes along and says, I'm telling you it's kashir. You know why? Because the piece of meat did not have a status. I didn't know the status. Therefore, an Eid is able to solve for me a safik. Masha'in kin. An Eid does not have the ability to go against an existing status. In this case, over the lady has a hezkat eshet ish. She's married. To rely on a shaliyah, one guy to come along and take her out of her status of eshet ish, to say that the get was written in the Shema, where do you see you believe in such a thing? Where do you see that an edechad is the iman against a hazakah? And you come along and tell me, hey, midah, doesn't the lady that, uh, the Tosafot, doesn't the lady that goes to the Mikveh, she's believed against the Chazakah. But Tosafot asked that question, and Tosafot says, if you look at um, the second to the last Tosafot, it's one, two, three, four lines on the bottom in the Tosafot, Tomar, I'm sorry, that's not the one I wanted to read to you. I want to read to you the one... Before that, look at the Tosafot, right before Tosafot, the bottom line, the Yeshlomar, the Yeshlomar, in Kin Afidut Hazik Surah, the Yeshlomar, the Ena Behazkat Shetero Akosha, which means she doesn't have a Hazaka, the lady, that she's seeing her Nida all the time, who Shavra Shivat Tehoram Mimela Velo at Hazik Surah, the Gambia de Alitbol, which means Tosafot's coming along to say, that she doesn't have a hezkat isud, because she doesn't always see, which means she's not always a nida, and therefore, sometimes she is, sometimes she's not, that's like a piece, that's like a piece of, uh, we know that she is, which is the nida, it's, sometimes she is, sometimes she isn't, so there, you could assume that after seven days, already she is, uh, it's an item that changes status, that's, a, that's less of a hazakah, how do you believe one witness? And especially, we have a rule that says, anything that's nabar shebe'irva, anything that has to do with arayot and things like that, you need two witnesses. We learned that from mamun. Just like by monetary, you need two witnesses. It says the word davar by monetary. It says the word davar by irva. Davar, davar. We know that you need two witnesses. The different is asking a very strong question. This business over here of having one shaliyah testify that against the Shema. And don't give me this business of Edehad Ne'eman Ne'esunim. Edehad Ne'eman Ne'esunim doesn't go against the Hazakat Eshadish. You need two. So comes the Gemara and says, comes the Gemara and says, comes the Gemara and says, Rov Bikiinin. Oh. I'm going to speak to you outside. You know what the Gemara's ultimate answer is? Really, the majority of people write to get lishma. Even in Hutzla Aris, the majority know that you have to write to get lishma for the sake of the lady. Therefore, minhat Torah, you really have no problem. Minhat Torah, the get is really kashir. It's only a rabbinical stringency. That we said, since some people don't write to get the Shema, that you're going to need the Shaliyah to testify. Now, okay, I don't care. Even rabbinical, you should need to have two witnesses, which means rabbinical law usually follows the same pattern as Torah law. So the rabbi is going to say, you're right, but since it's only rabbinical, we're going to be a little lenient in this law, so the lady does not remain in aguna. Because if you're going to be strict over here now, you got to have two guys. Till you find the second guy, the lady's stuck that she can't get married. So therefore, really, we're telling like this. Really, Minat Torah, the get is really kashir. You don't need any test. Because rough people know the law. Ella, what are you worried about? You're worried about the, you know, the minority. The mute. Okay. So you know what? But the rabbis were strict. The rabbis came along and said, you know what? Still, you got to give the uh, lishma. 
but they waived the law of two witnesses in order not to keep the lady a aguna. Let's read that inside. The Gemara says, "Rov bekiinim va'afilu lerabi meir," and even according to Rabbi Meir, the hayish lemiuta. There's a famous shita throughout Shas of Rabbi Meir. He says you don't go with Rov. He says you have to even suspect to the minority. However, Stam Safred Dayanim Migmar Gemiri. Who writes to get? The Sofrim. So the majority of Sofrim know the law. So even if Kadimir normally suspects to the minority, but in this case over here, the majority of the Sofrim that are writing to get know the law. So really, technically, from Torah law, you got to do nothing. Just deliver the gate, you could assume that it's written the Shema even according to the Bimeir. So what do we make of the guy say it at all? If the rabbis came along and they came along, what were they concerned about? The rabbis were worried that maybe this guy found a gate in the street that happened to have his name on it and has his wife's name on it, you know, from a different uh, couple. Oh, he's a guy, save, save uh, ten dollars, I don't got to write a gate now. Picks it up. And he's going to give it. So the rabbis were concerned that that might happen. So therefore they said, you know what? You need to say that it's the Shema. But since over here, we're going to be lenient because otherwise you're going to make the lady an aguna. Why? The guy's going to come now, right? The shaliyah. Husband's going to come along and say, hey, oh, that husband. They bring the thing, so that a bit thing says, hey, how do we know this gets written in the Shema? Well, hey, listen, really, with the Oraita, Rov, you got to say, Rov is written in the Shema. Hey, the Bimi'ir goes with the minority, even the Bimi'ir. The majority of Sofrim know what they're doing. Oh, so, what are you doing? The rabbis came and said, you know what, still, I need a testimony over You know what, I'm concerned, maybe the guy found the gate in the street. Okay, so you need a testimony. You should have two people. You know what? We're not going to drive everybody over here too crazy. One guy will be enough. You know what? Because to find a second guy is going to be a hard thing. And in the interim, the lady is going to be a aguna. Meaning she's not going to be able to get married. So the rabbis were lenient to rely on one because of the aguna factor. To that, the Gemara says, hold it. Haikulahu humrahu. You're thinking that it's a, a leniency. But in truth, it's a stringency. Why is it a stringency? I'll tell you why it's a stringency. The Gemara says why. Because if initially you'd mandate that you need two people to come and testify, and it's Lishma, once the husband comes along and will claim, hey, the things are forged, I don't care what the husband says. When you have two witnesses that are claiming that the get is Lishman, the get is kosher, the husband's claiming can never undo it. However, which means now that you're only allowing one, you're giving the husband power to come along and saying it's a forge. Now it's one against one. Now what happens when it's one against one? You're back to square zero. Now, now ready to get this no good. Which means, you're right, you're being lenient. You know, oh, rabbis were very lenient to us. What were you lenient? One witness is enough to say it was Lishma. Very good, but by the way, that leniency is a, it's a stringency now. You know why? Because by allowing one witness to say Lishma, you're vulnerable. Because if the husband now shows up and says that things are fake, now it's his word against one witness. It's one against one. Now what's going to happen? The get is going to be... Nullified. So that leniency of using one keeps you vulnerable to the husband's claim. Gemara said, "We're not worried about that." You know why? Kevan de Amar Mor. When that shaliyah comes to deliver the get, he can't just give the get to the lady alone. He has to give it in front of people that witness him giving over the. Get and it's a look at how many witnesses have to see the shaliyah give the get. Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Haina, Hadamar b'fnei bet, ve'Hadamar b'fnei gimal. Some say two witnesses have to see the shaliyah delivered again. Some say three. So you know what? Me'ikara medak daik velo ate le'urein nafshe, which means like this: This shaliyah, he knows he's going to have to give this get in front of witnesses, and therefore, you know what? When he gets the get from the husband, he's going to make sure that this get was written legally. He don't want to make himself a fool that he's going to give a get, that all of a sudden he's going to find out that he was fooling around. 
I mean, if he gave it privately, he's not scared. But if he's giving it in front of witnesses, this Shaliyah over here is going to be Medag Daik, which is when he was back home getting the get from the husband, he's going to make sure that this get was written on the up and up. He wants to make sure the get was written correctly. Therefore, let's speak it out. When one witness or that Shaliyah comes along and says, I know the get is the Shema. The rabbis were really lenient to believe one witness over there because Midrash Torah really you rely on Rov. Midrash the rabbis suspect. You know what? Midrash will be lenient because we don't want to make the lady an aguna. Oh, but now if the husband comes, even if the husband comes, the shalia has more ni'emanut than the husband. Because you know what? Right. Because you say the husband over here, he's coming. It was a fake. We're going to listen. The shalia wouldn't have brought that get unless he knew for sure that it's a legitimate get. You know why? Because he knows he's got to give it in front of witnesses. He don't want to. He don't want to ruin his own reputation that he's bringing a fake item. So you know what? Even though it's one against one, the shaliyah wins in that case because he has a bigger ne'emanut than the husband himself. Look at the Rashi. Rashi says, "Me'ikaram medag daik hashaliyah kishem mekabelom yad ba'al." When he's going to receive that get from the husband to deliver it. He makes sure that the husband is giving that get willingly. And he's certain that that husband is not going to come and have any claims. And even if he does, and if he does, I didn't give it, it was a forge. You got to give the credibility to the Shalia in that case. He has more believability than the, than the guy himself, than the husband himself. So therefore, let's just review what just took place over there and we finish. Basically, what took place over here is on the Gemara's side to say that the reason why you have to say Bifanayin Nechtav or Bifanayin Nechtav is to establish Lishma. That's only on a get that was brought from Hutzla Aris. They're not fluent in the law. So the Gemara says, very nice. So who are you relying on? I'm relying on this one shaliyah. The time it was a shema. Since when do you rely on one witness? Oh, in the hand of Imam Bissurin. In the hands of Imam Bissurin when there's no hazaka. But he was going against the hazaka of Eshet Ish. So he's not believing. You need two witnesses. Gebra concludes, you know what? Let's establish one thing over here. Really to get this kasher or anything. Because you go with Rov. However, over here, the rabbis came along and said, we're not going to go with Rov because maybe the guy found the gate in the street. Okay, but still you should need two witnesses. Because you should need two witnesses. You know what? The rabbis waived the two-witness law because we don't want to make the lady an agunath. We want to make it easier for her to get married. You're going to mandate two witnesses to claim the shmas. It's going to be very odd. Okay, but by only mandating one guy... It's vulnerable if the husband's going to come along and say that things are fake. Now it's one against one. Now you're stuck. Now you're not. You know why? The Shalia has believed over the husband. Why is the Shalia believed over the husband? Because he's Medag Daik. Because he knows he's going to have to give that gear in front of witnesses. And therefore, before he gets the get from the husband, he makes sure that this get over was kasher, the husband wants to give it uh, for the right reasons, everything. And therefore, we're not worried about it. Even if the husband comes along and says it's a fake, go home. This witness over here that's been a shadow, bringing he has a ne'emanud. Baruch Hashem, Amen, Amen.